0: Amen. So the title of the sermon today, um, 1 John chapter 4, Um, we're continuing through this book of 1 John. The most important question that you could ever answer is, who is Jesus? I don't know who said that, but I remember someone said, the most important thing about you is who you say Jesus is. And so with that, I have a video to open up this sermon. He was born, and he became this, like, prophet for eventually what would become Christianity. And then at the age of 32, he died on the cross, and it's like three days later, he was resurrected. I don't really have an opinion on Jesus. I believe that religion was just created to control the masses, really. Jesus is the our Lord and Savior that died on the cross for us, for our sins. Jesus is a... Uh person that existed that continues to enrich the lives of people every day. Jesus is God's son, and he was sent to save our sins. I think he is a pretty cool guy. He had a, a peaceful philosophy. I think he's misinterpreted by a lot of people. He's the savior of this world. I don't know, because I don't really believe in him, so I don't really think anything of him. I mean, he could have been a real person. I mean, I'm sure he was. I mean, I'm sure he was just, you know, good at what he did or something. I feel that Jesus is a modern-day scapegoat. Jesus is God, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just learned that. Uh, Jesus was a man, from what I figure. Who is Jesus? He was a dude back in the day. Pretty awesome. He had a beard. He was just kind of a guy with a really unique, positive message that kind of gave a lot of people a lot of hope. He probably existed, but I don't believe that he was the son of God or anything. He... Died on the cross for us and uh, saved us and rose again from the dead. Don't to sound smart, but. <laughs> so who do you say Jesus is? The most important part of who you are. Most people would say that Jesus lived. There was a guy 2,000 years ago by the name of Jesus, and he lived. He did some amazing things. Um, he was a good person, a good teacher. Most people would agree to that, at least in their lives. And when I was saved at the age of uh, 16, some of you know my testimony, I don't have time to get into that right now, but when I was saved at the age of 16, I began to look at the Bible and begin to ask questions about who is this Jesus and to learn more about who Jesus is, who he was, what that means in my life, what he's asking me to do. And I remember as I began to look at God's word, right, this is where truth comes from. As I was reading that, and I remember specifically the Great Commission, Matthew 28. All power and authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus said, before he ascended into heaven. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded commanded you, and behold, I will be with you until the end of the age and when I realized I came to realization that he wasn't just talking to his followers then he was talking to me as a disciple of Jesus I remember exactly where I was standing in our old church it was a Wednesday night and we were there and I was asking some questions of our associate pastor at the time and I remember just having this moment and I and I thought If I believe all this to be true, I've got to believe everything in the Bible, right? And I've got to believe that this is talking to me. And Jesus is telling me to do these things and to really understand who the true Jesus is as defined um, by the Bible, by God's holy word. And I remember that moment in my life, and it was such an important part of my life. At that time, I was searching and I was doing everything I could to learn about God reading the Bible and asking questions and going online, and and there's this thing. I don't know if you heard of bot radio or not. Anyone ever listened to bot radio, right? I thought it was just a bunch of old people that listened to that, but I was, like, listening to this on the way to work and the way back, constantly listening to bot radio because there's really good teaching on there, and I just wanted to learn everything that I could about God. I remember there was a guy, he's not there anymore, I guess he joined the Orthodox Church, they kicked him out, I don't know exactly what happened there, uh, but his name was Hank Hanegraaff, he was the Bible Answer Man, anyone ever remember that guy? Oh, we guess uh, Melanie in the back, the Bible Answer Man, and I was listening to this guy all the time, people would call in and ask questions, and I learned so much uh, from this guy about what I believe and what the Bible says to be true, and one thing that he would say over and over again when people would call and ask him questions, he would say, We'll test everything in the light of Scripture. Test everything in the light of Scripture. As, a, as what we believe here at the church, the number one thing, if you want to become a member, we're updating that, uh, that documentation, that course that you take online to become a member at True Life Community Church. But when you look at what we believe, the number one thing, number one in our doctrinal statement is the Bible is true, basically, right? And we believe that to be inspired um, by God and written out by the apostles, in the New Testament, and that it has no error and it's God's instruction to us, right? And so that's what we believe here at, at True Life Community Church. And what we're seeing here in John in chapter 4, I'm going to read these verses to you, but he is saying, Test all things, right? You'll see that in the Bible. Test all things. Like the world wants to draw you in a different direction. There are false prophets. There are people out there that want to, that, that have misunderstandings of the Bible or don't believe the Bible, that teach about who God is and who Jesus is. And John here, he's saying, even in this time, in the very beginning of the church, he says, test all things. Even if I tell you something, right? We see that in Paul, in Paul's letter, he said, If anyone, even an angel, comes to you and tells you anything other than the gospel of what I have teach you, he said, to them be cursed. To them be cursed. So the Bible teaches us to test, to test all things. So uh, let us begin first John chapter four. So we're starting chapter four, and then we'll begin to chapter five, and then we're moving on to some thankfulness stuff. Um, hopefully chapter five, the last chapter, is better than the last chapter of the cardinal season this year. Just saying. Uh, too early, I don't know, a little too early, a little disappointing. All right, First John chapter 4, verse 1 through 6. Beloved, I just love this language that John uses about love and children and family and God is the Father. He's saying to us as Christians, beloved, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. How will we know the spirit of God? Here's what John says. He said, Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus, should have put the emphasis there, is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard heard was coming and now is in the world already. We live in the Show Me State. You know, Hess family, you're new, right? You may not know this story about the Show Me State. Um, there's some tradition about where this saying comes from, the Show Me State. Uh, but one of them, as it was introduced, there was a seven, uh, there was a late 17th century state politician, and he went to Philadelphia, right? And I have this saying, I said, well, it doesn't take a Philadelphia law- lawyer to figure out, you know, whatever we're doing. It's a saying, but he went to Philadelphia uh, for a convention, and he had the privilege of speaking there. And when he was speaking, he says, hey, I'm from Missouri. We grow corn, we grow, we grow uh, cotton, and we grow cockleburs." Anyone know what a cocklebur is? That's those, those things that stick to you when you're walking around in the woods. If you're not from Missouri and you walk around the woods and all these things are stuck to your legs... Cockleburrs. Amanda's not from Missouri. I love it when she tries to pronounce that. It's so funny. It's just not the way you pronounce it. But he said, We grow corn, we grow cotton, and we grow cockleburrs. And he goes, And we're not impressed with any frothy language or big words that are being used. He said, I'm from the show me state. And that term kind of got coined, right? It's a show me state. Like, I don't want to just take your word for it. I'm not impressed. By your big language, I want you to show me. I don't want to be duped, and I want to see it for my own eyes. So, hey, just show me. This is what John is saying here. He's saying test all things. Show me. I want you to prove it. I don't want to just take your word for it because you're using big, frothy words. I want you to prove it to me in the Bible. Show it to me, and then I'll believe you. Because there are many false prophets and spirits who claim a, a false gospel, a false gospel of Jesus. And we are commanded here. And this is just a random suggestion, if you think about it. You say, no, 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 no. Like, test all things. Test all things in the light of Scripture. To back this up a little bit, First Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 20 through 21 says this, do not despise prophecies, right? Someone tells you something's going to happen in the future, prophecy. Don't necessarily despise that, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good and abstain from evil, from every form of evil. So here the Bible again is telling us to test all things. Because not all spiritual experiences are from God. It can be from the enemy. So to test all things. There are many prophets, there are many teachers, there are many people in this world that want to just give us a little bit of subtlety, a little bit of truth wrapped in a lie to try to convince us to go somewhere else or to think something differently than what the Bible tells us to be true. False prophets will say, hey, everything is fine. God loves all of us, no matter what. All the roads lead to God. You don't have to worry about anything. Give you a sense false of, of hope. Health, wealth, and happiness, right? That's what we're all about. We'll just preach that, and everyone will feel good, and they'll come back, because they'll make you feel good about yourself. But as we learned last night, not everything is always going to be happy in this world. You're not always going to be wealthy, you're not always going to be healthy, but you're always going to have the gospel. God works through our weakness, not through our strength. So test all things. Test all things in the light of scripture. Verse 2, by this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. At that time, the issue that they were struggling with was that Jesus had come in the flesh. They would agree with you that Jesus was God, but they would not agree with you that Jesus was flesh. And John said, no, 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 I, I laid my head on Jesus' chest. I know he was real. And he had to have been real. He had to have gone to the cross and died. He had to have lived a perfect life that you and I couldn't live. No, I know he was real. He was in the flesh. And I think today it might be opposite of that. We would agree, a lot of people in this world would agree that Jesus, he was in the flesh. But I'm not sure that they would agree that he is God. That he is God. Verse 3, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard from, was coming and now is in the world already. So does not confess. Does not confess what? That Jesus is from God. Would not confess that Jesus is God. God. And I may be a little weird. You got some are shaking their head like we, we knew that already. But I like to listen to Senate hearings. Like I'll get on YouTube and my spare time. I don't know why. I just like to listen to Senate hearings because they're like asking good questions They're trying to get to the bottom of what's going on. It's a good way to kind of understand what's going on in the country, to kind of get through all of the the smoke and the mirrors of the media, just to kind of understand what's going on. But I like to hear that interchange, right, between the senator, who's typically a a really good lawyer, and then the person that's in the hot seat, right, like asking them questions, trying to really drill down uh, to what's going on. And so here I believe is saying, if you confess Jesus... You can ask anyone, do you believe in Jesus? Just like someone that is sitting here, you can ask them and they say, well, yeah, I, I believe in Jesus. But a good senator, a good lawyer just doesn't stop right there. I say, okay. I hear you say that you, that you believe in Jesus, but do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Well, yeah, yeah I believe that. Well, do you believe that Jesus died on a cross for our sins? Yeah, I believe that. Do you believe that God the Father rose rose him from the grave three days later? Yeah, I I believe that. Well, do you also believe that only your faith alone and Christ alone can save you? To have eternal life, to have a relationship with God, not by works so that no man may boast. Some people might start talking around that a little bit. Well, I I don't know. I don't know if I believe that or not. If someone says that I believe all of that, the Bible says that's they're confessing. They've confessed with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. They believe in their heart that God raised him, the Father raised him from the grave three days later. That's what saves us, the Bible says in Romans 10.9. So it's not just confessing Jesus. It's confessing the Jesus of the Bible. And who he said that he was. You see, the devil doesn't care. If you love Jesus, you follow Jesus, you do what you think Jesus is telling you to do if it's, the fa- if it's a false Jesus. You confess and proclaim and follow the true Jesus, the enemy will notice, will take notice. Because you don't care if you're following a false Jesus. Along those lines, let me ask you a few questions to see if we believe in the true Jesus, not to put you in the hot seat necessarily. Jesus says, he says, I, I am God, In the beginning was the word, and the word is with God, and the word is God. Born of a virgin birth, came to earth to live a perfect life. Died on a cross, completely innocent. My blood shed for you. It covers your sins for eternity. And all you have to do is put your faith and trust in me and come and follow me. He conquered death. His father raised him from the grave three days later. Jesus says, that's who I am. Do you believe that? Say, was that all that Jesus asked us to do? Is that all there is to it? I've been reading Luke, the book of Luke, chapter 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Just go read it to see who the real Jesus of the Bible is. It says, love, follow all of my commandments. Love God. Love others. Go make disciples. It so says, if you love me, you'll follow my commandments. Go tell, teach, baptize. You say, well might be able to do that sometime. There's more. Go read Luke. There's more of what Jesus says. He says, if you want to be my disciple and you put your hand to the plow for the kingdom of God and you turn around and you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. These are things I don't want to come up here and say. As someone who's trying to grow a church, right? Like, that's not in me to want to say that. But that, God commands me to preach the truth. He said, if you look back. You're not fit for the kingdom. He said, you might be like someone who's building a tower, and they don't count all the costs. They don't count all the costs before they become a follower of Jesus. And they only make it to the foundation. and Nothing else can be built, and people come by and mock them and laugh at them. He says, hey, count all the costs. He said, if you don't produce fruit, cut you down. If you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. This is the Jesus that I read about in the Bible. The gospel of Jesus is offensive. It's offensive to the world. To the Gentiles, it's foolish. To the Jews, it's a stumbling block. The gospel of Jesus is offensive. Jesus is offensive. Well, I don't talk about politics. I don't talk about anything else because the gospel in itself is offensive enough. If anything is going to be offensive at true life, it's going to be the gospel. I love my wife, Amanda, and she tells me, she says, when I'm dealing with certain situations, she'll say, clear is kind. Clear is kind. Just be clear. Just tell them what you're thinking. Just be clear. I say, well, love is clear, too. Love is clear. And it's kind. And yes, Jesus loves us, and yes, Jesus died for us. And the last sermon, last time, we were talking all about how we are commanded to love God and to love others. But Jesus loves you, and we're sinners that's offensive to a lot of people it's clear and it's kind cuz anything outside of the truth is not always kind doesn't matter how great your mom says that you are your works will not always say, will not save you only confessing in Jesus as lord believing in your heart that God raised him from the from the grave That's what saves you. That is clear and that is loving. The Bible talks about truth and grace or or truth and love, right? Clear and loving. Clear and kind. Now remember this story going into this thought of clear and kind, loving and clear. Um, depending on your where you land in your theology, how you look at this, but I think it hits home into what we're what I'm talking about here. Oh, Pastor, you tell the story. He said, "Imagine you're in heaven and you're in line to the judgment seat of Christ." Now, as believers, we're, we're going, and, and because of Christ. We have full standing with God, and we're saved, we have eternal life. I believe the judgment for us is what rewards we get. But there's also another line, right, of, of those that have not put their faith and, and trust in Jesus, and, and those are the ones that are receiving uh, God's just judgment. And he said, imagine you're in your line as a Christian, and you look over and you see in the other line your friend. And the friend looks at you and says, how in the world did you get over there in that line? And I'm over here. He says, well, I would put my faith and trust in Jesus. And that's the only reason that I'm here. And he says, well, why didn't you tell me? You didn't say a word. He said, well, I didn't want to offend you. Offend me? Are you kidding me? That's the most terrible thing you could have done to me. Clear as kind. Clear as kind. Verse 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in The world. He is in you. Was that a Bible study? And Tony Evans talked about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is within us, right? Um, Spiritual things are spiritually discerned. We're going to look at that, unpack that just a little bit here in a minute. But God within us, he gave this analogy. It's like a dimmer switch, right? As we become Christians and as we follow God, the dimmer switch comes up higher. And the Holy Spirit, like we're able to see things more clearly, right? It's always going to be through a mirror that's a little foggy. We're not going to see clearly till we're in heaven, but we get to see things where the world thinks is just foolish. They don't understand because we have the Holy Spirit within us. But here, verse 4, again, it says, little children, you are from, from God. I want to point, I want to hit on this just for a minute. It says, you are from God. A lot of tyrants in this world will say, well, God was on our side, or God is on our side. And I want you to say, you're from God. God's not on your side. He's not on anyone's side. He's on his own side, right? Like, we're on God's side, or we're not on God's side. It's not like God is on our side. God's on his own side. I reminded Joshua chapter 5, Joshua was approaching Jericho. And as he was approaching Jericho, ahead of him was a man who had his sword drawn. And Joshua says, Are you for us or are you for our enemy? I could imagine the confused look on his face. Like, I- I'm not on, I- I'm, the, I'm the Lord's army, the commander of the Lord's army. I- I'm not on either one of your sides, I'm on God's side. We are on God's side. And this verse 4 says, You are from God. You are from God. It's not that God's on your side. So we are on God's side. And we are greater because we are on God's side. Verse 5 through 6 They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. But if we, know the, if we know the spirit of truth, by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. We know this because of the word of God, the apostles, God's inspired word was written. It says we know this is the spirit of truth. It is the truth. It's not a level of intellect, right? Some would say as Christians we know must, just as much about God as Albert Einstein did. It's not a matter of intelligence, right? It's a matter of our weakness through Christ, the Holy Spirit within us. 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 2 talks about spiritual things are spiritually discerned. I could remember my old Bible study teacher. He always said that every Sunday. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned. It was just ingrained in me is that we know the truth of the Bible because the Holy Spirit is within us. If you're here today and you're not a believer, this is just not going to make any sense. You may have a little bit of intellect about the Bible, but it's not going to be illuminated in your heart. The spiritual things are spiritually discerned. It's not a matter of intellect. We have a gift. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it talks about that we have the mind of Christ as believers that we can understand spiritual things. And we may be saved, and we may be able to understand spiritual things, but when we begin to look at the bottom line, when we begin to look at what makes sense in this world, according to worldly things, we are acting, as the Bible says, like natural men. Spiritual things don't make sense to the world. And if we as a church begin to look at the world and how things that make sense to the world, we're going to be hurting ourselves, shooting ourselves in the foot. We should be looking at things as the Bible says we should be looking at them. And in Joshua, the story continues. The things of the world didn't make sense. Joshua asks the commander of the army, of God's army, he says, well, he falls on his face. He says, what should I do? And the Lord's army commander looked at him and he says, well, first, take your sandals off. You're on holy ground. First thing we do as a church is we honor and we glorify God. Number one. Then he says, hey, here's what I want you to do. This is what God wants you to do. He said, I want you to march around Jericho. Every day for six days. Don't attack them. Don't go in. Seventh day, walls will fall down. The world is probably laughing at them. Like, what are you thinking? This is not in any military books anywhere. This is not a tactic or strategy that anyone would use. This is foolishness. But they did what God told them to do. And it worked. And the walls came tumbling down. The power of God here at True Life Community Church depends upon the spirit of truth. The power of prayer and the truth of God. If we want to see a movement, if we want to see our friends and family come to put their faith and trust in Jesus, we have to be praying. It has to come from the spirit of of, the, of God, not what the world would say that we need to do. So the most important thing about you is who you say Jesus is. Jesus asked Peter, one of his closest followers, he says, who does the world say that I am? Peter said, well, good teacher, prophet, some say Elijah, Okay, all right. C.S. Lewis, Chronicles of Narnia, anybody? Chronicles of Narnia? C.S. Lewis, the author of that, a prolific Christian writer, um, he said, if Jesus is not who he claimed to be, he's not a good person. He's actually a really bad person to claim to be God, to claim to be Savior of the world. So for someone to say that Jesus was just a good person is a little foolish. But Jesus asked Peter, he said, well, that's who the world says I am, but who do you say that I am? He says, well, you are the Christ. You are the Christ, the Messiah of the living God. Peter confessed with his mouth that Jesus was Lord. Jesus said, blessed are you. Blessed are you. Everyone that's here, blessed are you. For flesh and blood have not revealed this to you. The world has not revealed this to you, but the spirit of truth, that God himself, the spirit of God has revealed this to you. Blessed are you. And he says, and on this rock, which... Peter but it's also on this uh, proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah he says on this rock I will build my church I will build my church to reach others for the gospel I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail and no matter what happens in our community no matter how bad our world gets the gates of hell will not prevail and we have to continue the gospel moving forward at all cost so I ask, do you know the true Jesus? The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord, Lord of your life, and you believe in your heart, it says, and and you believe in your heart. If all of you are all that you are, you believe that God raised him from the grave three days later. You will be saved. that you have the spirit. Your life will change. You will be a new creation. For as a heart, one believes and is justified, and as a mouth, one confesses and is saved. If that's you today, I would just encourage you to confess that. If, if you're here today, I would encourage you to confess that or those that are around you, the truth. True truth sets us free. Let's pray. the Father, thank you for your word. Thank you of a reminder that we should be testing all things in light of Scripture. Thank you, Lord, as a reminder that the true test is those that will confess or those that won't confess that Jesus is Lord. That we will know the difference between those that are trying to lead us in the right path, and we will know those that are trying to lead us in the wrong, in a wrong path. That we would be careful to examine all things in light of Scripture. Lord, I thank you that you have revealed in our hearts the truth of who Jesus is. Lord, I thank you that you are working on the hearts of those that are here that may not have yet put their faith and trust in your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you are opening eyes, opening hearts, that you are changing their lives for eternity and and also their families. Lord, I thank you that even though the truth can be divisive, it can be a stumbling block, it can offend people, that clear is kind, that it's still the truth. Doesn't make it, doesn't mean that it's not the truth. It's still the truth. Thank you for giving us the heart to be able to love people, to speak truth into their life out of love, out of love, not out of pride. But we will be thankful for what we have received, that we know who Jesus is. Lord, be with us this week. Lord, be with this family. Uh, Be with our community all God's people said.